Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top-level COOs share their insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Aaron Rector is clinically trained therapist and chief operating officer at Hungry for Happiness, a seven-figure online personal development company aiming to help women all over the world end the fight with food and their body. Erin began her corporate career working in business and brand development for both the telecom and weight loss industry after realizing that trying to understand the why behind consumer behavior was where her true passion resided. She pursued her master's degree in psychotherapy from the University of San Diego. Erin trained as a therapist at one of the top research institutes in the country before deciding to combine her love of psychology and wellness with her background in traditional business and consumer branding. She began offering freelance consulting services to some of the wellness industry's most influential podcasters, authors, life coaches, and speakers, earning in the six and seven figure range. Today, Erin has a reputation for helping talented visionaries optimize and scale their businesses Today at Hungry for Happiness, Erin takes a bold approach to leading her team, building and scaling a value-centric culture and thriving online startup. She's slated to support the launch of two sister companies in 2019 and looks forward to working behind the scenes of a more promising startups with a mission to change the world. So Erin, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thanks for having me. It's, it's always tough to read through those bios without stumbling over the words because I'm more like, I'm like, yeah, this is good, this is good, but I want the rest of the story. I wanted to kind of hop on and, and hear right. what you've got to say. So, Well, those are very carefully written, right? So they're right. hard to write too, and I look forward to like getting in between the lines a little bit. All right, perfect. So why don't you tell us about how, first off, tell us about how you and the CEO, Samantha, met, and then what do you think it was that um, she saw in you that would make you the good fit to be the COO for business? Mm, 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 mm. Okay, so Samantha and I actually were friends and roommates first. So I met her through another female entrepreneur sort of in our peer circle and we were both looking for housing. We were both single at the time. And so we moved into sort of this entrepreneur think tank sort of house where it was a mixture of like living, working, playing, being hippies, all the fun stuff. And her and I just really connected on a friend level. So that was there first before anything. And I, I think now in hindsight, looking at our relationship now as, as partners and in business, it's like, I think the trust that we built as friends really is what allowed us to be successful in business. So I think it started there with that sort of seed of like, wow, I really like her. She's a good person, right? And we had that feeling about each other. Um, and then when it came to sort of her seeing promise in my skill set and what I brought to the table, I think, you know, me being uh, obviously a trained therapist is it, and my ability to have sort of an understanding of like what drives people and be able to translate sort of that want that need that intention into like something very practical using mm. like my business knowledge. Like I sort of uh, position myself even in my consulting work as a good translator. I sort of think of myself as a good translator. So if someone has like a good idea, if it's totally wacky off the cuff, it's like I turn that into something practical. Right. And mm. I think Samantha being the the visionary that she is and the ability to kind of have these big, huge, massive, you know, dreams and goals. She was lacking um, the the partner to sort of help her integrate that into things that would work here, it, you know, in, in the practical business world where we've got to think about 
strategy and we've got to think about budgets and we've got to think about legal and we've got to think about all the things that go into creating, you know, a thriving venture. Yeah, you guys are, are sounding like a really solid partnership. And I love that you actually started on the foundation of trust as well. I think that's one of the areas that I think a lot of people actually miss when they're hiring their second in command or, or promoting one. I almost think that you have to be willing to turn over your bank account information and passwords to everything day one. Otherwise, why would you be putting them in that position, right? 100. And it's like you have to constantly be on the same page. You have to constantly be communicating what's going on for you as an individual in your role so that Mm -hmm. you don't have things that are unspoken. Because those things that are unspoken are those things where you're feeling unclear or there's tension there it's like that will directly affect everything from the decisions you make to the morale of your team to you know the whole bit it's the same as a relationship between two love partners right like you can't have a great relationship without being that open communication and clarity and trust right it's exactly the same it's a marriage sam and i talk about that all the time we will make jokes the other day we got in like a little squabble about something this or that business related where we like so quickly kind of moved through. We were like, ah, oh, you said that. I said that. I understand why that was miscommunicated. And we so quickly moved through. And we're like, damn, we're the, this is the strongest, most functional marriage I've ever been in. And we were just kind of laughing at how smart it is to, to really being in, in a relationship. hundred and sound actually do a lot of um, energy work together. So her and I do energy work to manage, you know, our, our overwhelm, our stress and other things that can affect our business. And we do that actually together together in our partnership so that we're always forced to really stay open with each other. Those are huge lessons. I think um, women are certainly more open to the whole area of spirituality than men are. Men are kind of slowly starting to catch up and get into that space. But I think that's a big lesson for all of the kind of CEO, COO, I call it the yin and yang relationship between the two to truly kind of tap into each other and really work on themselves together because it is, it is a partnership. And I think we really miss that part. What, um, go ahead. I agree. I was just saying, I think like the, the whole feminine piece of like women really being willing to kind of get vulnerable really helps us in business because we have to understand like male or female, no matter who you're communicating with, a team member, a vendor, whatever is like, that's still a human being, right? And like human beings at the very core level want to be acknowledged. They want to be heard, right? So if you're leading or making decisions from a place of ego or having other people feel small, which can sometimes, I'm not saying that's a masculine trait, but I'm saying as a woman, that's, I have a harder time meeting with ego. I actually sometimes feel more comfortable being like, hey, I could... So what I hear you saying is, and I can understand why you feel that way. And I mean, I've, I've resolved a lot of customer service issues that way. I'll tell you that for free. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it's interesting. I mean, there's, so, there's certainly stuff to learn with it. Tell me, you, you mentioned a couple times Sam's vision and, and being on the same page with vision. So how do you get on the same page with her when it comes to her vision for the company? And how do you get her on the same page with you when it comes to your plans and strategy for take, making the vision come true? How do you guys get on that same page? Mm-mm-mm. I think it's like a constant dance and it's like a constant compromise. I think it always starts with um, a con- like us connecting as, as friends, you know, ironically enough, where we'll go out like perfect example is we, you know, at the start of 2019, we go on a trip. We just were in the woods in Idlewild uh, a couple of days ago with the intention of really just like having both of us just peek our head out of the sand of the day to day and look at like the bigness of what we're doing and how excited we are about what we're doing and 
how much promise it has. And then with that type of optimism and with that type of energy and momentum, it makes it a lot easier as people who have really different styles of thinking. It makes it a lot easier for us to kind of come together uh, without our own agenda, sort of like barging at the door and just mm-hmm. kind of listen and, and understand each other's gifts. So, so like for Samantha, I want to hear the beauty of the vision because sometimes as the integrator, as the operations gal, I can get caught too caught up in the details and miss the bigger picture. And then my gift is she can see the bigger picture, but she has a hard time seeing the the little things that go into creating that bigger picture. And so, right. So if she comes to me with her vision, I'm like, that's amazing. I see the value in that. And I see all the ways that can work, which sometimes requires compromise for me. Cause like as the CEO, I'm always wanting to dive into like, well, we'd have to think through this and this is the reason this wouldn't work. And you know, that whole jam, which we do plenty of wrong. But it's like in that space and in that energy of like trust and optimism, it's like she can do her thing and be her and utilize her gifts and I can let her be that, right? And then yeah, she yeah. can allow me to, to chime in and even like curtail things without feeling like she's being limited. So if I'm like, hey, actually, here's the reason why I would recommend not doing that this time or this year. Um, and here are all of the, the different nuances around that. And then she can be like, I understand that. And because I trust you so much, I'm on board with that decision. Can you give us a specific example of when that's happened? Something where you've actually. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So like we talk all the time about, um, so, so pause is the new company that we're launching and we really had to make a lot of tough decisions up front about like, what are we in the business of? Because Samantha and I have one thing in common where we want to do it all. Right. And my, my job is to sort of take those visions, translate them and be discerning about what keeps us on track with like our values. And so one shift that we've made in the last like year and a half is making the shift essentially from what was B to B to C and B to B and being known for like our B to C coaching services mm-hmm. into exclusively focusing on our B to B audience where we put majority of our budget and our efforts and our resources into um, building our coaching certification program. So we, we collectively from a value standpoint thought we can help more people. If our goal is to help 1 million people by 2020, we can help more, which I'm pretty sure we maybe already done. I need to look into that. But like, the point is, is, is like we can impact more people if we train the leaders, right? If we help other women go out and be us, right, in their own way, of course, but giving them the ability to niche down within the personal development space, start a dope online business, right? So we were very clear that like, hey, we're in the business of training other wellness professionals, coaches, leaders, therapists, nutritionists, whatever, to be X, right, to provide this emotional element in their in their stuff right and help them have a thriving business with pause we had to i think the initial vision was really wanting to create another b2c audience right and Mm -hmm. it was my job to kind of look at the whole strategy and think well if our goal is this and we know we're in the business of training leaders because that's what we've gotten good at and that's what we've been putting our resources into it would be my recommendation to curtail B2C service-based products um, to support this bigger mission of building B2B. Because what we know to be true is there will come a time when we can help everyone, but yeah. only in 
we get to a certain level. And so it was my job to kind of be that like gatekeeper for these big visions and keep us essentially on track with our core values. Because if we always go back to those, then, you know, we'll always, we, we, we know that every decision we're making will be the right one. That's great. I, I love that you're actually pressing pause on some things that we really only have three, we really only have three resources, right? We've got people, time, and money. And yes. it's really about how do we allocate those three resources to get the highest ROI and get leverage that we can then kind of build off of. So exactly. for, for you guys, how do you allow Sam to, to be Sam, to be the, she, she is the, the prototypical um, entrepreneur. I would guess she's bipolar, like most of us, including me. I would guess she's attention deficit disorder, like most of us. Neither of those are, are disorders. Those are superpowers. Um, right. she's probably also a quick start. I don't know if she's done a Colby profile, but my guess oh, is that she, she's a quick start, that girl. 100%. Yeah. So she, so she would start and plan later. Right. So how do you oh, she's, the start, she's the quickest of the starters I've ever met that one. All right. So then how do you allow her to, to be that and in that zone without actually starting every project without every actually starting every idea? What system do you use to keep track of her ideas, but not start them all on, you know, tomorrow morning? Oh my gosh, are you literally Because they're only going to take two minutes, right? It's only going to take two minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Cameron, are you literally hanging out on all our meetings? Yeah. So, um, you know, this has been a trial and error process, to be honest. And there's been some struggle along the way, just figuring out a way to catch all of the balls. Because here's my thing is like, as the integrator, of course, I like order. Of course, I like structure. And my belief is that we're actually more productive and we have more room to flow and be creative when our ducks are in a row and when our shit's together, right? So my thing is, it's like, how can I let Sam be Sam without it creating chaos within right. my home? Because I don't thrive in that way. And we both have to thrive for the company to thrive. So, yeah. you know, we've done a lot of like, hey, I need to set a boundary with you on the amount of things we're launching. There's, so it started out as just conversations and setting boundaries. And then we moved more to like processes and where that has us today is like, I've ended up um, pulling in one of our incredible employees. Well, I mean, all of our employees are incredible, but one of them has a specific ninja skill for project management. And so I've pulled her into a seat where she essentially is sort of one layer added and between the visionary and the integrator where she can sort of help catch me, help me catch all these balls in the form of a project brief and a launch brief that we created as integrators that says, Sam, these are all the things that we need to know from you. And we also need you to check in on the values of the idea and just really keeping her aligned from like a process standpoint. And then we mm. take that in and we do something with it at that point. So cool. it's uh, yeah, we've got a process around it now and Sam knows it's like, okay, in order for these ideas to take flight, I have to follow these processes. And then if once I follow the processes, I can just play and go be me because I'm confident that my contracts are in place and I'm confident that my operations are clean and all those kinds of things. That's cool. Right? Smart. Yeah, everybody wins. Was, I, I created a system um, called the decision filter where I try to allow the entrepreneur to fill out a one pager that documents their thoughts around the process, what the ROI is going to be, what their decision is going to be, what the ideal outcome looks like, what the potential spend might be on people, time and money. So yeah. that it forces them to fill out a fairly easy one pager, but yeah. we're not allowed to start a project until that's filled out. And yeah. we take, we take like 10 or 15 of those one pagers at the same time. And we vote on which ones to start, yes. which ones to say, yeah, we'll do it, but not now. And which ones to red light and just kill off. 
you'll have to share that with me. That sounds epic. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll link it in the show notes. I'll send you, I'll send you a link to it. It was just a way to be able to allow the entrepreneur to say, and I'm classic entrepreneur, but also very operational. But when I was the COO at 1-800-GOT-JUNK, I had to have a way to say yes to ideas, but not start them all tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah. yes. I love, I was actually going to mention the topic of urgency. Right. Cause like timing is so important. Like for me, it's, it's never a no. Like when mm-hmm. she's like, Hey, can we do this? I'm, I'm like, no, it's not a no. It's just like a not right now. Yeah. It's just not. Yes. As a quick, as a quick starter, like, and, and it's amazing that you have both of those skills cause that's so ninjury, but it's like, you know, that like sometimes as a quick starter, everything can feel urgent, right? Yeah. Everything's in now. Well, if we can do this in a day, then we can surely do this in a month. And, and so the timing is so important. And my task, is to manage the the urgency that I sometimes feel from her also with my tendency to sometimes be too slow so again yeah. like because I'll because I'll like drag my feet all freaking day and get caught right. up in the details let me so it's it's again it's that constant like back and forth of, of those you're two fa- opposite qualities you're a high fact finder you like to ask lots of questions before you start things I like to ask tons of questions yep and, and even things like that it's like she used to vet a lot of like contractors um, on her own and we changed the process so that I'm enrolled in that conversation as well so that we're both right. asking the right questions, right? Or some questions. She'll actually, she won't vet them. She'll actually talk to them and go, I really like them. They're great. Let's use them. She doesn't know anything about them. She just loves their personality. She loves their personality. And you know what? I use her for that ninja skill because Sam has great intuition. And so sometimes I'm more caught up in like the qualifications, the facts, the the testimonials, the data, and she's a lot more like, how does a person feel? And I think both are equally important. Right. But she's not questioning. Yeah. So you've mentioned the uh, the visionary and the integrator a few times. Is that from Rocket Fuel or EOS Traction? Uh, it's from Rocket Fuel, but it's like Sam and I have just adopted that sort of as our personal archetypes because it's like we're so spot on that. Yeah. We fit that so well. It's pretty classic, actually. It's pretty classic for entrepreneurs. Have you guys ever done any personality profiles and compared yourselves to each other? No, we haven't. We keep meaning to. We actually uh, enrolled uh, this year in a Tony Robbins, the the Platinum Partnership. Yep. So I know that the personality testing is a big part of that program. So we're excited to kind of like dive into each other a little bit more. Cool. Yeah, that'll be really good. Um, Take a look at doing a DISC profile, a Colby A profile, and then do your love languages. And it's weird that I would say love languages at work, but honest to God, when you actually understand each other's love languages, there's also one now called the apology languages, which is powerful, is understanding how the other person likes to receive an apology. That's hilarious. I'm super familiar with the love languages because of just because of my therapy background. So I yeah. know mine and I think I know hers, but they're super relevant. We made our whole team do that in a spreadsheet because we were like, we, we appreciation, of course, and having your team feel loved and empowered is like pretty much good as gold. Well. Right. So like, what are your love languages? Mine are physical touch, which is a little hard for me. <laughs> from the work perspective, although I love getting hugs from my team when we're all the same. Right, it's it's hugs um, or a pat, it's hugs or a pat on the back. Totally, totally. Or like, hey, someone rub my shoulders. I have had a stressful week. One of those. Or um, and then uh, words of affirmation. So that's easy for somebody like Sam because she's very expressive anyway, and she's right. totally like, I appreciate you. I love you so much. I wouldn't want to be doing this with anyone else. And because she loves the words too, we're constantly just like giving each other the love. Like even right. when times are tough, we're like, hey, 
I love you. And I know we're going to get through this. It's pretty powerful. Once you understand that stuff, mine are the same minor to physical touch and uh, words of affirmation in that order as well. And it's, it's pretty amazing how people will do other things. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't grab me, but like just yeah. the simple, Hey, you did a great job. is really powerful. That's why I'm a speaker is because words of affirmation are so powerful. So I get off stage and I get filled with it from it. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I think it, I think it should be like a business tool that people use to understand their employees better. We have everybody who's um, a member of the COO Alliance. We started the only network of its kind in the world for second in commands just because there's so many masterminds for entrepreneurs, but there's nowhere for the COO to go. So yeah. we have all of our members have done um, their love languages and they're also, they've all done their Colby A profiles. They've all done their DISC profiles. And oh, then what wow. we do is, is share them with each other to really learn how to understand the other person and compliment them. Yeah, yeah, it's worth bringing it into your company this year for sure. Um, where are your staff? Are your staff all remote or some of them based in the physical space? Uh, no, so everybody's remote, but we've got women all over. So uh, we've got a woman, Pamela, what's up, over in Pennsylvania. She's our marketing, copywriting ninja and just over and our new sort of like project management ninja. And then Brittany is in L.A., so she will come down with us and she's like our ops god and sort of optimize our customer journey. Um, she's a boss. They're both like just gifts to us. And Sam and I value our team like so freaking much. They are everything to us because without them, especially as a virtual company, it's like without the people, you're nothing, right? Because yeah. we are all, all over and it's all just our energy and momentum and our brains and our hearts really feeling the ship. And then we've got uh, three women now in Canada. So that, that always creates a a little bit of a, a a snafu on our you know on our HR and all of our tax and financial sure. people across the border, but they're so good that it's like we'll we'll Figure they can work when they need to right exactly. No men working for you. So we have an agency that does our paid, and they are all men, and they're amazing. But right. internally, no, we don't. And Sam and I have talked about actually wanting to bring in a little bit of male energy. <laughs> It's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird. There was a, um, a really fun agency years ago that I did a lot of work with and everyone who worked in their agency was female or gay male. And I'm like, wow, bias against the straight guy, but I get it. Like we just, it's a great mix. Like the energy was amazing. The positivity was amazing. The communication was great. So. Right. Wait, I mean, we, we know the, the importance of balance in every single area, including with masculine and feminine. So like we, we think uh, it'll be great to eventually bring that special unicorn man on who can deal with all this estrogen and just have a good time with us. God, good luck with that. Godspeed. Um, <laughs> right. Um, tell me about how you guys divide up your strategy and roles. How do you decide who does what in the organization? Hmm. And what does Sam do today and what do you do? Like what business areas would fall to each of you? Right. So we, I mean, initially because we started so small and scaled so quickly, to be honest, we're still sort of in the game of figuring out like who sits in what seat long-term. I think now what we're clear on is two really important concepts, which is people have to be in their zone of genius, of course, number one. And number two, we have to mitigate the things that drain them. Um, and number three, there needs to be an element of challenge. So I guess it's three things. Yeah. yeah. So like challenge, because we know that leads to fulfillment and stimulation and empowerment, people having the experience of trying things that they think are hard and succeeding and feeling that on the other end, that's really what keeps employees like stoked on their job is feeling like, shit, I'm doing important things. Good for me. Go me. So there's that piece. And then we just try to keep people 
in the seats where we know, man, this person has a special skill to X and how, how do we create a role around that? How about for you and Sam specifically though? How do you know what she's going to work on and what you're going to work on? Because you know, three years ago. Uh, right, 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 right. So, so it, I guess the same would apply in the sense that like for Sammy, we know that her genius is in the area of like relationship building, partnership building, networking. Um, she's, she's pretty much out of the day to day when it comes to operations. And at this point I go to her for high level financial decisions, high level strategy decisions. We do a lot of, you know, annual planning, quarterly planning together. Um, but in terms of how we delegate, she's, yeah, she's doing the relationship building. I'll go to her for video assets. Like, Hey, I need you to promote X. I need this, uh, audio recorded, that type of thing. So, uh, and then her biggest role of course, which will always remain is like content creation. So we know when she has a new mission, a new vision, she's the one that's creating sort of that meat that this is what I want to create. This is what I want to come through as a visionary and then passing it off to me. And then my role right now is, uh, managing the team, um, I'm hiring like three people simultaneously. So I'm technically HR right now as well. So I'm wearing like a lot of different hats. And then on the day to day, I'm managing a lot of legal stuff, getting all of our, because obviously being in the personal development industry and then me having also experience in mental health, it's like, I understand a lot of some of the potential risks of being in this space. And so one of my big intentions was for 2019 was to go back and look at everything from the way that we're filing our taxes to the way that we're running our team, um, you know, IRS compliance wise from the way that all of our contracts are set up, our terms and conditions for every single one of our programs and just really wanting the ability to have everything be so clean so that we can just move through the world like super unapologetically with everything that we do and know that like our business is clean. There's, um, there's a lot of integrity that's important to me. I always want our customers to like know what they're getting involved in. And so that's mm -hmm. been that combo of looking at our legal assets and then also pretty much doing a high level audit of everything operational from the way that we bill to the way that we communicate about billing to the way that we communicate what we do down to even our paid advertising. So right now I'm sort of in, yeah, I, right now I'm sort of in audit mode to be honest, it feels like, but it's a lot of just going back and making sure that the visionary has a platform that is scalable, that is thriving, that is practical uh, for a long term, right? This is the stuff that an entrepreneur would never actually do. Nor, <laughs> right. nor would they even nor would they even think about it, right? What and you know what? It actually wasn't done. And that's like the funny part is like Skelly had this incredible to, ability to generate money. I, I mean, I came on to an organization where the hard part was the hard part for me was done in sure. the sense that the client acquisition, putting yourself out there, literally knowing every person in the industry, like that's so scaly to the core. But a lot of the stuff that, that like she, she was so lucky and so protected that nothing ever really came about that would have requ required her to have a lot of this stuff in place. And now that she's wanting to grow and scale and change the world, it's time to have those measures sort of revamped and optimized. Like that, I right? can't remember. I don't remember where she and I actually met. I think we might have met at an event called called uh, MetaBridge in Kelowna, but I can't remember. It's weird. 
Like, she's that girl. She's you know, like known everyone. So yeah, much. I've known her forever, but I don't know from where. Um, you guys joined the uh, the Tony Robbins Platinum Program. That's a huge investment. That's like a sixty thousand dollar or seventy five thousand dollar investment, like, isn't it? I think it's like eighty five. It's like uh, not, yeah, the price probably went up. It's a uh, it's a big investment. It's a super big investment. So when you think about that, what's what's why? Why are you doing it? What are you planning to get out of it? What do you think the ROI is going to be on your time and money and, and what do you well, hope to gain from it? Well, I think the biggest thing that at the core level, I think what we're really looking for is empowerment and inspiration. Um, I think Skelly and I know that what we're doing is one of a kind and the first of its kind in a lot of ways. And so we're always very careful not to take every piece of advice that we get um, because a lot of people have advice and it doesn't always apply to your business or work with your value system. Right? And that's yeah. one thing I've really learned along the way. Um, and so at the same time, when we look at somebody like Tony and what he's built, we're sort of like, Oh wow. Like that's the scale that's similar to like the scale and product offering that we're looking to offer something like is it going to be the same mission no same values maybe i don't know but there is something about being in the energy of people who really have big trenches to build like a, an empire that big so we're so to just like learn from those people have them tell us hey this is working keep doing that and then you know slap other things out of our hands and say try this so some just some mentorship and at the end of the day skelly and i are both really young Neither of us have ever run a, a, a startup before of this size. And so it's all new and we're eager to mm. learn and we're excited to learn. That's cool. Yeah. You're going to rip off and duplicate. <laughs> yeah. faster. It's good. Yeah. Smart. And you, when I heard a saying years ago that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So it's just always about putting yourselves into these other rooms. I, I think far too often companies don't invest in themselves or their team. Um, right. And, and I think if you grow your leaders, you grow your company, right? The more that we grow people into stronger leaders, the more we grow their skill set, uh, the more that the company scales. Yeah. Every single company is made up of its individual parts. And I think you're only as strong as your weakest member. And so any way that we support both, even at the coordinator level, it's like, as we grow, we want to have personal development and investing in yourself and your growth and your leadership skills as part of our compensation package as part of what our culture stands for because it's, it's it's what we stand for as a brand we always think you have to be walking the walk and we don't think that personal development is separate of anything in your life relationships work whatever so mm. we're excited to infuse that more into our culture as we as we grow so you're you're obviously a self-starter and a, and a self-learner. Um, so tell me about an area that you failed at in the business where you did learn and what did you learn from the, and give us a specific, like you screwed this up or, and God, I've got plenty on my yeah, end. So. Yeah. So like, I think a good one for me is, is I tend to like bite off more than I can chew. I'm a, I can do everything person. Even if I'm overwhelmed, I'll still take it on because I've always yep. been that kind of person. Right? Sure. And so you mix that in with like, my overachiever and my, my, my tendency to run high, high strong when I have a lot going on. And what I'll do is I'll just hoard tasks and things will become bottlenecked. And instead of asking for help, think balls are being dropped because I'm not taking the time to slow down and say like, what do I really need support with? And what could I stand and what would benefit the company for me to offload? And so me developing this new role for um, our director of marketing where we're going to move her out of the marketing seat and more into high level project management and just kind of helping be that visionary, inter visionary integrator go between and 
manager is that like now she takes something off my plate that I've been needing to take off my plate, but it took me sort of breaking down and feeling overwhelmed for me to get to that place of like, Oh, wait a second. There is a fundamental function here that is missing. That is, that is making us less productive and making me less balanced in my role. I think it's an area that companies are not spending anywhere near enough time on is that activity inventory and really looking at what each of their executives or each of their employees is actually working on during the course of a month and breaking it down to all the tasks they do and then uh, stopping a bunch of them too. Even before we, we kind of delegate it to somebody, often stuff that we do can be stopped, right? And then it can be optimized, automated or outsourced. Totally. I think I always tell my team like, Guys, take a really curious standpoint. Anything that I ask you to do, anything Skelly asks you to do, always ask like, okay, can I get clear on why we're doing this, the why behind this, the intention behind right. this? We do a lot of shit that's pointless and we do a lot of stuff that takes time or doesn't add to the bottom line or sucks resources or energy. And so that always asking, going back to the why, everything that you hear from your visionary, everything that you hear from your boss, it's like so important. Well, and that multiplies too. There's an an escalating um, kind of impact, negative impact as a company scales. You know, if you've got 10 employees now and you get to 20, it's worse. When you get to 40, it's multiplications worse. It just just gets incrementally worse. More communication, more bureaucracy, more red tape, and then also a lot less visibility. Like, what are we actually working on? (laughs) Right. Pretty soon you're just like filling out a bunch of like admin forms and you're like, what am I working on again? Well, or you're hiring more people to fill to, because we seem we're busy. We need more people. We need more busy. But really what, what actually are they doing? Cause that's 50 yeah. grand a year going out the door. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and then too, it's like, it keeps people in the hustle, which sometimes people being overworked. I mean, not sometimes all the time, people being overworked and overwhelmed means less productivity. Mm-hmm. When people aren't taking breaks, they're less productive when people aren't, Stepping away, they're less productive. And okay, so, so how many hours a day do you work? Oh man, I can. Well, here's the thing. I've been trying to reduce my meetings like a mofo over here because your 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 girls on too many meetings. But I would say in terms of computer work and like actually sitting in front of the computer, like no, I mean I mean meetings. Actually, work actually, how many hours a week do you actually put in running this business? I mean, I would, I would definitely say over 40, okay. I would definitely over 40, but I, I definitely don't work a traditional schedule. So I'm very much of the mind. Like I love to wake up at 6am, crush through a couple hours of emails and then be offline for a couple hours during the morning and be able to grab lunch with my boyfriend or go on a walk or, you know, I love, I need the space and flexibility to be able to say, okay, today is a day where I can sit in front of a computer for five hours. And then today is a day where I can't do that. I don't have, so I really like to follow my inner rhythms because if I'm being too militant with myself, I'll quickly get burned out because I have the ability to work eight to six and not even look up. You know, it is one of the massive, it's one of the massive benefits of working from home as well as it, you don't end up having to answer those questions to the rest of the team is like, well, where is she? Why is she gone in the middle of the day? Right. You don't, no one's right. really counting hours because we do exactly. take more than it's normal. Totally. Um, it yeah. T- tell us about some of the technology you guys use to, to run a business that's remote. What are your, some of your favorite technology tools? Mm, uh, we love Slack specifically the GIF functionality where we can send each other photos. Uh, Slack's important for us. And we like to have a lot of like categorized channels. So our departments are essentially linked to like the channels within Slack. Um, And then we've got, uh, we use Trello 
Um, we are probably going to be moving into like a, something a little more robust from a project management standpoint. But right now, um, something like a Trello combined with like Google Suite, which is like our holy grail, and Zoom, which is our other holy grail, that sort of is meeting all our needs with the size of our team right now. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty interesting how just with Zoom alone over video that you can really build a relationship with people too. You actually don't need the face-to-face and you can actually have that real connection real quick, right? I know. Um, it's yeah, and I think if anybody's got, even with customers, I don't know if you guys use video with your customers yet or suppliers, but it's really powerful when you're using it with your banker or your lawyer or like suppliers somewhere, printing companies. It's amazing how either they have Zoom already or they'll use FaceTime. Like you can just mm-hmm. really hop on something quick just to, it's pretty powerful stuff. I know humanness is always a lot, a lot more preferable. Yeah. So tell us the the one big lesson that you wish you'd known earlier in your career when you were really starting out, either um, you know in this role or even earlier in leadership. What's the lesson that you know for sure that you've learned from your own trial and error and successes that you wish you'd known earlier? Um, man, I would say two big lessons come to mind. The first one is always be a human first. Mm. Uh, because I think to remember that like, even in the hustle, even in the work setting, it's like, we're all as humans after the same thing, you know, the exact same thing on a fundamental level. We want security. We want to feel like we belong, you know, we want to feel heard. And I think you approach every relationship that way and people know that you value them as a person in addition to valuing them, like as a, you know, employer or vendor or whatever that your your not only will your relationship and your productivity within that relationship go a lot further, but like there will be a lot of other unforeseen benefits. And just it knowing that so much of why we get where we get is because of who we know is really important how, how we treat people. So I think that's number one. And number two, um, I would say I I wish honestly that I just trust. I, I wish I'd been less attached to the how and the cleanliness of my path to get here. And I wish I just trusted that I was going to end up where I was supposed to because I did. And I think that if I trusted that more when I was like switching careers and not knowing how they were all going to blend together to work out and, and put me in a seat that was perfect for me. Um, if I just trusted that more then my experience along the way would have been a lot more fun. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm in it at the end of the day. So I think, um, yeah, like if, it's Skelly and I say all the time, it's like we're playing the game, right? If the game of life is just to enjoy your time while you're here, it's like even the mode in which you work should reflect that in some way. That's awesome. Those are great lessons. I I love the fact just kind of trust and kind of um, almost surrender to the path that we're on because it is going in the right direction for us. Yeah. And as we know, there's no guarantees in business. So if you can be okay and, and, and comfortable with like the uncertainty along the way, then wherever, whenever you get to that business you're going to run or that team you're going to lead, it's like that discomfort with the not or that, that ability to withstand the, I don't know how it's going to work out is like really what's going to make you successful at the end of the day. I think. That's really cool. Thank you. Aaron Rector, chief operating officer for hungry for happiness. Thanks for joining us today on the second command podcast and giving us the rest of the story. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. It's cool. Appreciate it. Say hi to Sam for us. I will do. You've been listening to Second in Command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry-leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.